Hello, and welcome to Off the Record, Chalk Magazine's weekly podcast. I am Nicole Dolan, and along with me, I have Taylor and Wyatt, just like every single week. And we talk about everything under the sun, including student, student journalism. And, you know, it just seems like this week has been like the worst week. I know that I'm going through a lot of personal stuff on top of school and internships. Everything is like due on October 30th, which is insane. Um, and just thinking about, you know, that I am going to be dumped into the real world after May, um, is a concept that I refuse to, um, acknowledge and accept because that is terrifying. Um, and so how do you cope with you know, all of those anxieties on top of seasonal depression. It is super gloomy outside and that's spooky. So what are some ways that you guys cope? I know that for me, I like to go to a nice coffee shop. My favorite one is Sunflower um, and get the Cortado, oat milk, vanilla. And then usually that makes my day. Get a little bit of their tomato soup if I'm feeling like spending big money. But um, that's kind of how I cope. But also that place has become a safe space, but also a place of anxiety. So I don't know. Uh, how do you guys cope? I don't know if I have been coping, really. Um, I think a lot of people are going through it because of the weather this week really hit after midterms or some people are still going through midterms. But just that snow man, for it to be so cold now. And now it's getting dark at what, like seven now it's, it's dark. It's 640. Yeah. And it all just happened all at once. I feel like, which it does every year. I don't know why it always surprises me. I always forget it's a thing, but uh, with that on top of midterms, on top of already not leaving my house hardly ever. Um, I don't really know how to cope anymore. Cause I mean, I used to, when I got stressed, or, you know, felt a bit sad. I'd put on a movie or a show or just like relax for a bit, but I'm already in my room like 99% of the time. So like, what's the difference now, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think we're definitely going to learn how to cope with that thing or seasonal depression, that thing, that scary (laughs) thing. And the next couple weeks and months, um, as we're like dealing with that in a pandemic now, which just adds another fun little spicy layer to it. Yeah. I mean, my normal coping mechanism is spending time with people. And that obviously is not really an option right now. So am I coping? (sighs) Who knows? Not me, (laughs) but like, I don't know. I've, I've been doing a lot of, you know, getting on calls with friends and, um doing what I can you know I took a mental health day off of work the other day just because I was like dying and you know it's it's a lot but we're hopefully gonna find ways and not just spiral all of this upcoming winter I don't know I there's there's just a lot happening and it really didn't help that we didn't get a fall break just because like there was no, there has been no decompression time. Like I have gotten no time to slow down at all. Um, so I think winter break will be good in 
some ways. Obviously, there are some downsides when we break, uh, like two months of nothing. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just I just want I just want some time to breathe. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't blame you for taking that mental health day because when I got back on got back from my trip from Tulsa. Um, found out that my best friend's roommate, she went on the trip with me, found out that my best friend's roommate tested positive for COVID. Therefore, we both had to get rapid testing to see if we could, like, get back to work or do anything. And I was negative, but the nurse is still like, you're out of work for two weeks. And I've been working, like, an average of 24 to 27 hours a week. And so being forced to, like, just be has been kind of like a mix of the best thing to happen to me and also the worst thing to happen to me because it's like not like work is not the source of my stress anymore. It was like social things. And also is Nicole taking care of Nicole? Very good question. Um, And so, but I think that time, like if you can take any time to just sit and like, I don't know, soak in what the heck life is right now is kind of good because I kind of had one of those moments today at Sunflower actually and felt like my body like released tension. But at that same time, like I just started sobbing (laughs) in the middle of this coffee shop, which I'm like, wow, I'm getting like way too good at silent crying in public places. Should I put that in my Tinder bio? Very good at silently crying in public. Let's see if you can try and find out if I'm crying. I'm just kidding. Awful, awful, terrible. But I just felt that. And I was like, what is going on? And people are like, hey, like reach out if you need anything. Like I'm always here. Like I care about you, blah, blah, blah. But like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, regardless of what people say to me, like, at the end of the day, it's just me with me. And so, you know, it's like up to you of like, what that next step is. And that is terrifying. And that's spooky. (laughs) And uh, I called one of my really, really good friends, Jordan, who's in Wichita. Uh, I didn't even call him. I just was like, feeling very overwhelmed wish we could hug and he just sent me a voice message and I didn't know that that was like the best thing that I could need and it's like sometimes I think that we get so caught up in the now and caught up with like the people that are around us that it takes like that one like third party that is so far removed to like remind you of like your worth because that's what they see because they are like so far removed you know, but regardless of that removal, like your worth is still here, but it's just so hard to see it. And so I melted and I really hope that, you know, moving into winter break, that things get better for us, but it's really freaking hard right now. And I feel like it should be normalized to cry in public and scream in public because I think that's what everyone's feeling. Yeah. Ridiculous. You can't just scream in public. Who doesn't need to do that sometimes? I mean, you can just, it's not, <laughs> it's not really accepted. Yeah. You'll get asked to leave. 
Yeah. And I mean, maybe if we just had like a designated hour of the day, it's like the scream hour. God. And you just know, if you hear screaming, don't worry about it. It's okay. It just, it just hits five o'clock and you start hearing like a chorus of screams off in the distance. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We all need it. We all need it. I wish that was normalized because honestly, today was like the first day that I left my house in three days, like in a public warrant space. And I screamed on my walk to Sunflower. Like I go, I literally screamed, kill me. And then I was like, oh, shoot. You just, we, every establishment needs to have a soundproof booth. Like if I'm working at the radio and I just want to scream and I do it in one of our recording booths, you cannot hear it. Like it is impossible. So I just, maybe every establishment needs to have one of those types of rooms, just a screaming room. No, I think so. I think we would all benefit from that. I think that's the cure. But speaking of screaming, kill me, um, in honor of Halloween and spooky season, I wanted to talk about something that scares and entertains me to my very core, which is true crime. I'm... A pretty big true crime fan. I go back and forth, but I just feel like it's been popular for a while. We know that. I mean, Forensic Files has been going on since who knows when, Dayline. But I do feel like in the past couple of years, since I've been at college, everybody is a true crime fan. There are so many people who love true crime and are into it. And I mean, just the amount of documentaries and TV shows, podcasts that have come out recently. I just feel like it is blowing up. And so I want to talk to you guys about why we love true crime. Why is it a thing? Because it's something that I do love. I do love, but also nothing terrifies me more. Nothing makes me feel worse. Nothing makes me feel like the world is a garbage dumpster fire hellhole than listening to true crime. But I can't stop. So why do we love it? I think we like to tempt fate. And mm. it's like that same feeling of like, oh, I'm just going to walk close to the edge, but oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump off. I'm not going to, you know, lift that foot and walk over. It's, it's exhilarating. Also, it's just fascinating to try and like get inside of the head of the killer. My favorite true crime story that I heard was just analyzing like the Manson murder. Um, because that was very real and that was like in a very romanticized time of history too and so it's just like I think people like to I think it's like a form of escapism like people just like to try and figure out like you know the mind of the killer but then also like the mind of like the the prey basically and like how do I not become both question mark I don't know going off of the escapism aspect I almost think it's, I mean, it's similar to that, but I just feel like one thing that we all look for um, in our lives are things that are extraordinary, you know, because, because we're, we're going through the motions. We're doing our, our ordinary lives of schoolwork, hanging with people, whatever else. And so these things that are, that are, that are, you know, just, you would, they're not normal. They're, they're things that just don't really happen all that often. 
they intrigue us. They really interest us. And, and so it's, it's a form of escapism in the fact that it's taking us out of our normal daily grind and showing us something that's like, Oh, you know, you don't ever see this. It very rarely ever happens. And it's interesting. Even as, even if it's kind of messed up that it's interesting, you know, it's like, it's like real life horror. You're getting all the appeal of horror, but you know it's real, so. No, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say, is I just feel like it is completely, I mean, it's evil, you know? Like, I feel like that's the most time when I'm watching or listening to something, and it's like, these are real-life people who it just feels like it's the pure evil, you know? Like, pure villains. And that's something that is completely like extraordinary, you know, in like a horrible way, but it is just like incredible almost to read that that stuff does happen, you know, to try and figure out why it did happen. You know, I don't know. And I think it's also interesting that like so many people I know that love true crime are women and especially young women, because the majority of true crime stories that you hear are like, young women that are being murdered but we're like a big audience for listening to those stories so it's horrifying even more horrifying but I also wonder like why it does attract us so much and part of me thinks it is kind of like what you were saying Nicole earlier about like tempting fate almost you know like this is something that could happen to you it could happen to you and you really don't have any control over it and that's why it's so terrifying and so I shouldn't listen. I shouldn't read it. But at the same time, I can't not. Right, right. Also, like, if you think about it historically, we've been reading horror stories since, like, pre-20th century, right? I mean, your little what to read this week of faith about, you know, horror, timeless horror. Like, Mary Shelley, a woman. Right. And like, it's a little bit different because like, that's like fake or whatever, but like, we are just so tempted by it. Also, there's like, almost like a, like, sex appeal too, because it's like, oh, you have Ted Bundy, like very hot guy that's out here, like killing young girls. And like, there were girls like fawning over him. What? Yep. <laughs> He's a serial killer. I will say a lot of these st- real life stories go back pretty far. I mean, we go Jack the Ripper. When when did that happen? That was 1800s, wasn't it? Long time ago. Yeah. Long time ago. And so it's like this fascination with it. I think you're right. Like, particularly with women, it's like, oh, no, if I was her, I'd do it differently, you know? But it's like, would you? Exactly. Um, so I think that, you know, I think that it's fun for us to listen to it. I don't think that, I think it's bad if we're like genuinely becoming like terrified to like go anywhere. But also as women, we are already terrified to go anywhere because men are terrifying. And I think also subconsciously, we're just like taking notes on how to like avoid being the next statistic. Um, and I think that's okay. You know, like some people would even argue, like, don't read the news. It's just all bad news, whatever. But like, these things happen and they did happen. So like, 
you should stay informed almost. But still, again, I think that it's like very interesting, thought provoking, sexy. You know, it's like clickbait, but it's real and it's death. So it's like, I don't know if that's messed up or anything, but I think that that's been attractive to people since the beginning of time. I was gonna, I think you're completely right. And that's something that I always do when I'm listening is my brain, even though if there's no logical way, like I could prevent anything like this from happening 99% of the time, if I was in the same person's shoes, I couldn't have done anything different, but my brain always is like, okay, well, if I was in that situation, I would have done this or like, you know, I would have done this or like, make sure you should have done that. And so it is partially, I feel like I'm preparing almost, you know, like taking notes, like you said, just being like, okay, this is what they did. That didn't work. You should probably do something else if you're ever in this situation, which is horrible, but it does feel like I would rather be aware that all this stuff is happening. So I know than to just like turn a blind eye to it and pretend that it's not going to ever affect me. Because right. none of those women half the time that it happened to, or people, you know, whoever got murdered, they never thought that like something like that would happen to them. That's what's scary. No, absolutely not. I was just going to say that like, anytime I hear like murders that were caused by cults, I'm like, never, I would never fall for like being in a cult ever. I think that was so, like most of these young women, especially with like the Manson girls, like they were coming from like, they wanted to go- leave home. Like they were coming from like very, very uber conservative households, you know, and like all of these expectations, but also a lot, of, like some of them like came from money and just like never had to worry about anything ever. I don't think I would ever hitchhike across America to go to California. Like as bad as I want to be a West Coast babe, I would never do that. Like that's terrifying. Also, I just don't trust people. Like I can't put myself in the mindset of like how people just hitchhiked. That's stupid. That just sounds dumb. The crazy part is statistically we are safer than ever, yet we are also now more on edge than ever. Because like with us being in essentially a surveillance state, like you are much safer than you ever were 50 years ago back when people were just hitchhiking everywhere, which is just it, like, it has a great sense of irony to me. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. What is, so what is your guys's um, preferred format for true crime? Because I mean, there's tons of ways to do it. There's docs, there's TV series, there's podcasts, there's readings, there's, I mean, everything under the sun. How do you guys prefer to consume your true crime? My favorite has been podcasts um, because I think it's much easier for me to consume just hearing people kind of talk and chat about it. Uh, I like to listen to my favorite murder. If you guys have heard of that one. Yeah, I think it's pretty popular. Um, And that one helps me because I just really like the women who are talking and it is two women and they're kind of just, they know the facts of it, but it's more just them chatting. Um, So they don't really go into like really gruesome details. And I just feel like they do it also really tastefully I've learned that although I do like documentaries of it, there's just the visuals really get me. Sometimes I can't handle any of the visuals. That's why I have to do the podcast. Cause if even the times that they've talked about somebody or they did a certain thing and I look it up and like the first couple Google images, uh, uh, Nope. Can't sleep Mm -hmm. for days. Mm -hmm. So I have to do it like that. Cause after that Ted Bundy documentary that came out a couple years ago, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. guys remember that. 
Yeah. That messed me up. Like I can't do a true crime thing that's in the style of a film, you know, having the suspenseful music, showing the real life images, making it like filmed in that certain way, scarier to me than any horror movie I could ever imagine. I think for me, um, that Zac Efron, Ted Bundy movie, (laughs) um, that was terrifying. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think that my preferred method is also podcast, but also I really like that one true crime docuseries. I think it's called The Seekers, which is about um, the this nun, the sister that got killed um, by allegedly this priest that was also a child molester. And it just like kind of follows her journey because she, and I don't want to like misquote the movie because it's been a while, but when it, the second that it came out on Netflix, I just binged the crap out of it because it was like, I need more, I need more, I need more. Um, because at that point, it's like, you know, her family's looking for her. You get to like see like her sisters. And so you get that like empathy part of it. But then also you get to listen from like different survivors of like rape and like assault and everything and it's like oh my gosh like I don't know I don't know why the visuals just made it more human to me um so yeah but then also I did kind of really like the Zac Efron movie (laughs) I don't know why it was so dumb like it was uh I think it was the end that got me it was the end when he like was writing on the glass how he killed one of the girls uh awful and then they showed those scenes at the end i don't i'm not trying to romanticize murder but it really made like the whole movie like like worth it like his entire case his entire situation incredible he jumped out of a window and escaped of a courthouse like, if you heard that on a podcast, you'd be like, oh, what the heck? But then, like, seeing how he did that, and he actually did that, I can't. No. I have, I have some thoughts on Ted Bundy. I have some thoughts, but... I don't think he was that hot. No, he's not. But for why? what do you... How do you like to consume your true crime? Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't think I've ever actually listened to a true crime pod. I have mostly consumed through documentaries... Um, and a lot of reading. I really like reading stories about that. I don't know what it, like, not, like, if, if you go to, I mean, even just like Reddit just has a bottomless, uh, you know, an, an endless collection of, of people submitting stories and things like that on different, um, different subreddits. But I mean, yeah, I think reading, I, I do enjoy documentaries, um, a lot. I don't, I don't know about mini. I think sometimes miniseries can go a bit long about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like documentaries really just get it, get to the point and really get it out. And it's like concise. So, yes. But yes, yes, yes. I think that that's it for me. Documentaries and reading mostly. Yeah. Uh, that's speaking of the Ted Bundy. That's something that's interesting with true crime is just like how they choose to portray the people and Nicole White, like you said earlier, I mean, half of true crime really is romanticizing murder mm-hmm. and romanticizing the serial killers, even if 
if we don't want to think that, I mean, it's giving them a lot of attention. So I think it's really tricky to do it without giving too much credit, too much romanticism to the person that did these crimes and actually like respecting the victims too, you know, and making sure that their story is told in a respectful way. But also true crime relies on its sexiness. So the thing that really like draws people is hearing those gory details. But something that really bothered me with Bundy or just bothers me in general with I feel like how he's depicted is all the documentaries, everything I read is always like, oh, he was this handsome, very charismatic man. He was so smart. He was not very smart. I think he was kind of an idiot. Like Ted Bundy <laughs> come and haunt me, but like he was kind of a dumbass. And like half the things he got away with, he just got really extremely lucky or it was kind of like problems with police, you know, information crossing state lines. There was a lot of stuff like that. They didn't have the technology, but Bundy would literally go up to multiple women and be like, hi, I'm Ted. I'm Ted. Will you come into my car? Like come help me in my car and did it to multiple girls. Like he didn't have a fake name. He didn't like try no. himself half the time when he was in jail. He jumped out the window, which is crazy. But also he just like jumped out a window with no plan and started <laughs> running. Like he just got so lucky on so many accounts. It baffles me that so, like, I feel like they're credited as being these geniuses and really they just got super lucky during their time. Also Ted was just disgusting. Like, when they described how he like bit this girl's nipple off, Ugh. she like he made the attorney repeat the situation over and over and over again. Like imagine being in that jury. Like you know that this guy is getting off at this like description, which is literally fricked it's so fricked like i'm already bleeping myself because i just like what also like that woman that he was with that was like ted oh you know ted like amazing guy like how could you stand by his side when he just like completely manipulated you as well disgusting the woman who married him at the end. Yeah. And then they had uh, their own kid. Had yeah. their own child. Crazy. Crazy. Disgusting. Um, Wyatt, do you have a favorite serial killer? So I don't know if I have a favorite serial killer. I, I There have been a couple that have really, really intrigued me in the past. One that sticks out in my mind is that I read back in freshman year is called The Toy Box Killer. Have you heard of this guy? Mm-mm. No. So essentially him, it was actually not just him. It was him and his like wife or something. I don't remember. But he essentially, oh he got a, it was like a trailer or something at, it, at his place. His place was like out in the middle of nowhere. So it took a while for people to find him. But essentially he just like set up this trailer on the inside to be like a dungeon to torture his victims and that's why they call it the he called it the toy box because he had like the toy it's messed up and the 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 messed up part about it is like even more than than already you know having a torture chamber was when he would kidnap these women 
he would play whenever they got woken up he would play a video describing what he was going to do to them before he did it it was like a pre-recorded tape of him being like this is what i'm gonna do this is the procedures blah 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 here are the rules if you try this you're dead and all that and it's like this dude literally had a pre-recorded tape and then physically tortured them See, this is what is baffling to me is that there's stuff like that that I've never heard of. Yeah. And there's like, I have stories similar to that that I know of. I know, Nicole, you have ones that you probably have heard of. Like there's a million different ones out there that are all so messed up and there's just so much content. That's why true crime thrives is because yeah. there's always some messed up, horrible crime going on, which terrifies me so much. Cause you think about like the mega serial killers. We know about them. Yeah. Bundy, Manson, Ed Gein, BTK, all those kind of stuff. And then there's all these smaller serial killers that you kind of can learn about. Maybe some people know. Then you have the random crimes. But like we sort of have a knowledge about those. And there's just so many other ones that we don't know. And then I also think about like right now. Or do we have big serial killers that are killing right now and we just don't know about it? You know, or is there like serial killers not as pop, not as not as popular, but it's much harder to be a serial killer now with all the technology that we have? Yeah, I think that latter case definitely. And with true crime being so popular now, I mean, we obviously are into it. Is it kind of a personality trait to like true crime now? And is that scarier? than the true crime itself. Because uh, I don't know. It's like strange how I love it. And like, I am fine. I love talking about it with people. But then there are just some times when somebody is really into true crime, really into it, or all of a sudden just kind of like, ooh, um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe let's not. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think? I personally think that it is pretty spooky, pretty scary when someone wants to be known for their obsession with crime. It's like, okay, either get your degree in forensics and, you know, head on over there, X-Files. But uh, if you're this obsessed with murder and everything, there might be something going on back there that's a little bit concerning because i know that with sociopaths um that like obsessive behavior and like messing with like different levels of pain starts out when you're like pretty young and so you know fads come and go like you're allowed to be obsessed with something for like a little bit but like if you've been like an og true crimey and, like, I hope that you know how to balance that with, like, other things in life. Um, yeah, I think it can't, it can't, it has the potential to be spooky, for sure. I, I'm torn on it, you know, because on one hand, it's a, it's a pot, it's a very, very popular thing. I mean, it's like making Marvel your, you know, your personality trait, but also on the other hand, the content is a bit different. You know, you're not talking about, you know, fantasy and superheroes. You're talking about people who have legitimately died. So depending on like the, the, 
degree of it. There are times where I'm like, this kind of feels like a step below the people that go and watch videos of people dying on, you know, the internet. But again, it, it just depends. It all depends because it's a very, very popular medium now. So there are so many different forms of fans and interest levels. Yeah, right. I think it depends on the person and kind of the vibe that at least I feel like I get. You know, when I'm talking to somebody else who really loves it. And there's other things, even though I love to talk about true crime, I, I can't talk about it for max 30 minutes before I need to go take a depression nap. It's or something. just, yeah, it's, it can be really gross. And, and here's, here's another thing. If one thing that I've noticed with people that like unsettle me about true crime, if they are more, obs- a lot of times the people that are really creepy are specifically interested in the killer not like the situation yes. or what happened or like all the other surrounding, if they are specifically honed in on the killers of true crime, that can be a little, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or on the actual killing. Yeah. But like, did you see how they killed the person? It's so crazy. Like I just can't get enough of that. I'm like, yeah, when I think about what Bundy did to people, ugh, just gives me pain and just makes me sad. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. Like, those details are very interesting because you can also, like, think about, like, what is happening in his brain. Yeah. You know? Because he's a freaking, what's it called, necrophiliac? Yeah. Freak. Freaking freak. Yeah. Literally the only people that get a... a- pass in this discussion are people that are literally studying psychology if you're not studying psychology you don't get a pass in this scenario you just need to like boundary you know limit yourself calm down down. oh yeah i definitely don't like when i'm more interested in how it was able to like how it happened how that thing how that could have happened the crime more than like the killer and their specific self and even their backstory. Like I sort of want to know a bit of it, but I hate when so much is given it to them, you know, like they get so much time to talk about the killer. They're all pieces that should not be the whole. No. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like what we're looking at is the person that was killed, you know, and what happened to them. Not necessarily. I don't want to feel bad for the serial killer. I really don't. No, if your true crime sympathizes for the killer, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Or even, like you said, Nicole, like people that there are specific people that are obsessed with certain killers, like just want to know everything about them, all of their crimes. And no, I don't. When you start to get into like, like copycat territory where you're like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I read a piece, a really, really well done piece um, about six to eight months ago i don't remember it was early 2020 talking about like the the people that shoots shoot up schools and it was talking about like the statistical trend of how many of these people worship the columbine shooters like so many of them the, the the warning signs were there of they would read about columbine and they would watch the videos and they oh would look at all the stuff that the columbine killers put out before they actually did it and all these things and it's like 
these people worship and that's how you know you got a copycat is when they are like i respect these people so much that i'm gonna go and try to replicate their work Mm -hmm. so and, and so I don't want, I don't want to over, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but like if someone is, is legitimately obsessed with someone who has done something as disgusting as like serial killing, that's a red flag for me. Yeah. Yeah. But what's scary, I think is when you go back in these like in-depth documentaries or podcasts and they talk to like the person's family, people that knew them and they kind of talk about warning signs, you know, that they were, kind of displayed this behavior or would talk about these things that were a bit like, ooh, iffy. Or even yeah. people that were like, uh, like I know BTK, his wife has mentioned and things, you know, he would say some things to her that were kind of like a little bit probably sketchy. But at the same time, if you know somebody is saying those weird things, but you don't have any evidence that they've actually done anything, there's nothing that you can do, you know? There is, and yeah. that's horrifying to me is that people can display all these like warning signs all they want, but until something actually happens or comes close to happening, yeah, nothing the best you can, you can do is just separate yourself from those people. Exactly. And just really like put a guard up, keep your distance. Ugh. But besides that, not much you can do. Um, and on that note, that wraps us up for the week. Um, stay safe, stay warm this week. Have a spooky, safe Halloween. Um, Nicole, where can they find us on social media? Everyone can find us on Instagram at University Daily Kansan or at Chalk Magazine. Everyone can also find us on Twitter at Kansan News or at Chalk Magazine. Wyatt, where can they stream us? You can stream us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio content each and every week. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. We're all alive. Bye. Peace. Happy Halloween. <laughs>